the good news today is God wants to heal us. He wants to give us rest and peace. And one of my favorite verses in, is in Matthew, Chapter 11. It's so misunderstood and undervalued. I think it's one of those things that those passages that I think a lot of Christians kind of skip over. We don't really know how this is the love of God in this passage of scripture. I'll read to you from the New King James and then from the Message Bible in Matthew, Chapter 11, verse 25 through 30. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to the babes, to the children. You know, humility is the doorway into God's goodness and provision and his grace. It's just what qualifies us for God's strength is not our strength. What qualifies us for God's strength is our weakness. To recognize your weakness, your childlike nature is a beautiful thing, not childish in being immature, but childlike in being humble. He said, you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and he's obviously being. Um, he's he, he's stretching the, <laughs> the meaning of those words. Wise in the world's eyes is not wise in God's eyes. And even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me. By me. By my father, excuse me, all things that have been delivered to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. Nor does anyone know the father. Except the son and the one. To whom the son wills to reveal him. If you if you know Jesus today, if you know God as your father today, it's because the son, Jesus, has revealed the father to you. The father has revealed the son to you and the son has revealed the father. Isn't it amazing that neither of them exist to reveal themselves? They live and exist to reveal the other. Yes, they are one father, son and Holy Spirit. We will never be able to figure out that dynamic fully until we get to heaven as well. But the father, he lives to reveal the son and the son lives to reveal the father and the Holy Spirit lives to reveal both the father and the son. Wow. Not one of them self-centered, not one of them arrogant, not one of them jockeying. The Trinity, the equality of the Trinity is magnificent and beauty at its most magnificent degree. It's the to see the humility that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, that they have this humility amongst them and in them and in him. And he is one and they are one and three in one. And I don't know how to, how that's possible, but, you know, H2O is in the form of a liquid. It's in the form of a solid. It's in the form of a of a gas. It's still H2O. It has three different forms. All three of those forms can exist at the same time. In fact, 
You could have ice in the cooler, water in the refrigerator or in the sink, and you can have steam on your stove all at one time. Mm. Holy Ghost Trinity explained right there. Take it. If I'm good at explaining anything, it's because I'm a kid. I think like a kid. I'm I talk at kid level. I guess I don't know. Maybe you think it's that's what I'm aiming for. Kid level, you know, because the world is so full of itself. God is so empty of himself that he empties himself. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who labor and who are burdened. All who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. There is no surprise here. He doesn't say come to me and you'll see. Pick door number one and you'll see what happens. This isn't let's make a deal. This is come to me and you will find rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. If you're around proud people, self-righteous people, there's no rest there. When you're around humble people, it's peaceful. When you're around humble people, you know the difference. People trying to be something, there's no rest there. It's very uncomfortable. It's very toxic. When somebody doesn't have a reputation to try to prove, an image to try to uphold, when they're just humble, grateful, thankful, not complicated, not trying to get attention. Wow, there's freedom there. There's there's peace there. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. I love what it says in the message translation. Are you tired? Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? There's three things here, he says, tired, been there, worn out, been there, burned out on religion, been there, am there still had all of these one at a time, two at a time and three at a time. Who's with me? Been tired. Yep. Check. Been worn out. Check. Burned out on religion. Check. I really despise religion. Religion is man's efforts to try to reach God. Christianity has nothing to do with man's efforts trying to reach God. Christianity is all about God's efforts to reach man. It religion is man trying to build the Tower of Babel to heaven. But Christianity is God building a bridge to earth by sending his son, Jesus and Jesus willingly and lovingly and happily, though sorrowful, sour, sorrowfully, he comes and he gives his life for us. This is there's there's very little uncertainty here. He is humble. 
He is gentle. He is tender and he invites you to come. Are you tired? Come. Are you worn out? Come. Are you burned out on religion? Come. Are you are you discouraged? Come. Are you defeated? Come. Are you sad? Come. Are you angry? Come. Are you worried? Come. Are you are you afraid of the future? Come. Are you not certain what's going to happen? Come. Are you afraid that you might be rejected? Come to me. Have you been abandoned? Come to me. Have you felt rejected? Come to me. Have you felt hated? Come to me. Have you hated yourself? Come to me. Have you hated others? Come to me. Have you tried and failed? Come to me. Have you tried and succeeded? Come to me. Have you realized that you've come to the end of yourself? Come to me. Do you, are you one of those who can't figure it all out? Join the club. We all are there, but Jesus has it figured out. And he doesn't say come to class. He doesn't say come to school. He doesn't say come to the Pharisees. He doesn't say come to religion. He doesn't say come to a lecture. He says come to me. The first thing that we see here about Jesus is that he gives us an invitation to come to him. This is not an invitation to a religion. This is not an invitation to being one of the guests at the party that goes unnoticed. This is a one on one invitation. This is a sit down with me and you and me will be able to dine together invitation. It is a personal invitation. It is a one on one invitation. We all want one on ones with certain people in life that we think, oh, if I just knew this person and knew that person, we get to have a one on one with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he's humble about it and he's inviting us. He's not saying I'm looking for people who will just beat down the windows of heaven and tear down the doors of heaven, kick in the gates of heaven and come to me with violence and come to me and prove how you could just make it through anything. He's like, look, I'm for the guy. I'm for the girl that can't make it through anything. Come to me. You will find healing. And you will find rest. I don't know when your healing will show up, but I can just tell you the invitation has already gone out. And all we have to do is come to him. It's simple, isn't it? It's not a big, complicated passage of scripture. Are you tired? Come to me. Are you worn out? Come to me. Are you heavy laden? Come to me. Are you burned out with religion? Come to me. Worried? Come to me. Empty? Come to me. Weak, come to me. The tenderness of this invitation, this beautiful invitation. He says, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. You know, there's a lot going on in this world right now in social media. There's all these winners. And they want you to feel shame about where you're at in life. But come to them and they'll make you a winner 
You know, it's funny. Jesus doesn't say, come to me and I'll make you a winner. Come to me and I'm going to just make you a success. He says, come to me and I'm going to give you real rest. He says, come to me and walk with me. Come to me and work with me. Come to me. Wow. He gets he gives us a journey and he gives us a job. He says, come to me and walk with me. Come to me and work with me. That's pretty awesome. Learn the unforced. Oh, I love that word. Unforced grace, unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. You know, I see all and I'm not criticizing anybody. I don't mean to be come across that way, but I see so many people that are saying, come on, be tough, be strong, be the best. Paid ninety nine dollars a month for my program and be the best. (laughs) Pay a thousand dollars for my program, pay a hundred thousand, a million. It doesn't end. Look at my success. Look at my cars. Look at my houses. Look at my fame. Look at my popularity. Look at my money. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me and give me more while you look at me. That's the world that we live in. And we are in this world. We're not of this world, but we're in it. And while we're in it, we're for the guys, we're for the people that can admit. Man, I don't have what it takes. So I'm coming to God. Don't get me wrong. I understand eagles fly with eagles. I understand all that. Spread your wings. Go for it. Fly high. I understand business owners need to mingle with other business owners. I understand all that. I understand all that. But that is not the gospel. The gospel is come to me. The gospel is an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to fellowship. It's an invitation to a loving relationship with God. There is a blessing in every disappointment that you've had in every relationship that you've had that has failed. I'm not saying that all of your relationships should fail, but but the beautiful part and the miracle and the blessing of failed relationships is they bring you to a successful relationship between you and God. Because sometimes the relationships that fail are because we have put too much weight upon that relationship, like putting too much weight on a table that was not made to carry that weight. So when you put more weight on that table, its legs begin to buckle and its legs begin to break because not because it's not a good table, but it wasn't meant for that kind of weight and stress to be put upon it, even in marriages, even in families, even in the best of relationships. That relationship is not meant to carry the weight and the burden of our problems. That person is not in your life to carry the weight of what you are struggling with. That person is not in your life to make all your fears and insecurities go away. That person is not in your life to make you a success. That person is in your life to have two imperfect people realizing that they cannot supply each other's needs, but God can supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. 
the greatest discovery in a relationship is how insufficient, oh, you don't want to hear this? Don't make me preach now. Don't make me do a preacher today. I'm trying to be a pastor here, but you're going to make me preach. The greatest blessing and miracle of a relationship is the revelation of its insufficiency to meet your needs. And the sooner you get a hold of that, the sooner you stop treating people as disposable. To get something out of them that they were not created to give. You are putting the elephant, you are putting an elephant on a three legged wooden table. That wooden table is beautiful. Its three legs are beautiful. The wood it's made out of is created by God. The craftsmanship of that table is a beautiful thing and it's meant to carry some things. But you try to get it to carry your peace, it will break your joy it'll break your happiness. It'll break. Every relationship we have in life is designed by God. I believe it's designed by God to point us back to him. Every failure is designed by God. I'm not saying that God designs failure, but he redesigns it. He takes it and he renovates it and turns it into success. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, he says. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me. Keep it. It's one thing to have company. You know, you have something, an event, you have people over to the house. You have some company over, we call it, right? We used to call it that. I don't know what we call it now. <laughs> Jesus says, I don't want you to just have me over and be company. I want you to keep company with me. And you know how you're going to live? You know how you're going to learn to live freely and lightly. These Christians that are so mad at people that have discovered the grace of God and the love of God, and they've determined how much of a measure of love and God's love that you should be allowed to experience. And God wants you to experience all of it. How much grace should we allow people to experience? We are not the dispensers of the grace. God is the dispenser of grace. And he said, all grace abound. May all grace abound to you. And once you've had all grace abound to you, he said he will also give even more grace to the humble. It's like after you've had all grace abound to you, God says here, I'm going to give you even more. Amen. If we would realize that the greatest characteristic of 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 the of the life of Jesus is humility, yeah. not pride. People that want to put burdens on you, 
I was like that. I would put such heavy burdens on people to to be saved, to be a Christian, to be a soldier for the glory. Come on, get with it. We're the Green Berets. We're the Navy SEALs of Christianity. We can't hold our breath for 10 seconds and we think we're some sort of Navy SEAL. What's that swimming dog dog paddle? We, we're like that and we're like we're Navy SEALs. All we're doing. <laughs> we're just dog paddlers. <sighs> Woo. Thank God we can evolve. Thank God we can. We don't have to stay in the deception. We don't have to stay in the burden, the deception of religion. I, I'll just give you a few points as we close and put this together. What we find here in this beautiful invitation to rest and to be healed is we find an invitation to come it's into a relationship. It's not a religion. What qualifies us to come is our weakness, our weariness, our our anger, our worry, our fear our anxiety. These are the qualifications to come. We've been trying to sanitize Christians, make them so holy that they don't ever. Oh, it's wrong to be weak. It's wrong to be weary. It's wrong to be afraid. It's wrong to be angry. And yet Jesus says, come to me. If it's wrong to be these things, then how do these things qualify us to come to him? He can take it from there. He's not going to leave you the way he finds you. But he takes you as you are. Secondly, he says in this scripture, you will recover your life. What will we find? What are we what are we going to what can we expect to happen in our lives by accepting this invitation? This is what we can expect to happen. We're going to find recovery. We're going to recover. We're going to recover from a life of misery. We're going to recover from our disappointments. We're going to recover from our failures. We're going to recover what's been lost. We're going to recover what's been stolen. We're going to recover what's been taken from us. We're going to recover all. Jesus said, I will restore you. We we will see restoration. We will see God restore what has been stolen, restore what has been injured, restore what has been damaged, restore what has been traumatized. He will restore your heart. He will restore your soul. He will restore your health. He will restore your relationships, but he will not give back the relationship in the condition that you used to walk in that relationship with where you were codependent on somebody rather than a blessing and a gift to somebody. He will not bless that kind of relationship. He will turn that kind of relationship into something that requires you to get your focus off of that person and get it on him. But he will You see, when you recover, you recover better. When he restores something, he restores it better. He doesn't make it how it's found. He restores it to its to a better condition the way he originally intended it to be. 
He said, we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Whoa, God is all about recovering. God is all about healing. He's all about recovery. He's all about restoring. He said, I'll restore the years that the enemy has devoured. I'll restore your health. I'll restore your fortunes. I'll restore your relationships. I'll restore your homes. I'll restore your families. He is the God of restoration. And he said to prophesy, restore. So I'm prophesying over you, restore. I declare and prophesy over you recovery of your health, recovery of your breath, recovery of your purpose, recovery of your identity, recovery of your faith, recovery of your love, recovery of your family, recovery of your calling, recovery of your purpose, recovery of your strength, recovery of his strength, the recovery of a better condition than the way in which you've been found. My God is a God of restoration and I prophesy restoration over you. I prophesy recovery over you. I prophesy strength. I prophesy healing. I prophesy rest. The word restoration comes from the word rest. It starts with the word rest. And rest is a gift. He says, I will give you rest. A vacation won't give you rest. It'll make you more tired. <sighs> he offers true rest that goes beyond physical rest. It brings restoration to our souls and to our purpose. Then he says, You'll discover my gentle and humble ways. Please understand, Jesus is humble. He's gentle. He's tender. He assures you that he's not he's not hard to please. He's easy to please. He's not a tyrant that is difficult to please. He said, you know, what pleases me is. He said, just believe. Without faith. It's impossible to please him. You know, if we just trusted him and just say, Lord, I, don't, I can't figure it all out and understand it all, but I trust you, that pleases him. It makes him so happy that you just trust. It makes him so happy that you just believe him. It makes him so happy that you believe him even when you don't see him, even when you don't see the result, even when you don't see the miracle yet. We're not about the miracles. We're about the person who performs them. It's getting to know him, not so that we can get a miracle. It's getting to know him so that we can have a relationship and miracles come out of moments where we are not looking for the thing, but for the person. We've made everything a thing. And God wants us to be people and love. People are not problems to solve. They're people to enjoy. They're people to love. Either a person is in your life to be enjoyed or to be loved. If you can't enjoy them, at least you can love them. He's so easy to believe. He's so easy to to please. He's, he's gentle. He's humble. He's not like needing a performance. 
You don't need to score. You don't need to be the masked singer. You don't need to be the the idol of America. You don't need to be the great singer. God doesn't get glory just because somebody sings a Christian song on American Idol. God gets glory from you believing him when no one's watching. We've, we, we idolize things that are really just that, yeah, yeah, it's great. We think that somebody has to be gifted to get God's attention. It's not true. You have his attention. Well, we're out of time, but I'll say this last thought that Jesus invites us to to be to, to, to have a light, to live lightly and freely. You know, he told his disciples in Luke nine or Matthew 10, he said, take no baggage with you. Take no baggage with you. You're going on a journey. You're going to fulfill my purpose for your life. Don't take any bags. Don't take any baggage. I want you to go into your tomorrow and let go of your baggage today. Let go of your guilt, let go of your shame, let go of the unforgiveness that you've held on to somebody. Let go of the offense, let go. Let go of the baggage, let go of the burdens, let go of your duty. You don't you need to pray a certain amount of time per day to please God. You should want to pray because you're already pleasing to God and just enjoying his company and he enjoys your company. That's enough of a reason to pray. We don't even need to pray to get things. Yes, there are things we can pray to manifest God's promises in our lives. But the greatest promise is himself. The greatest promise is his presence. The greatest promise is this personal walk with him that's done with others. But it's with him, dependent on him, but joined together with others to to bring unity with diversity that we won't allow our differences to become our divisions. We're the body of Christ. Let's be unified by Jesus and his love. Let's stand together. Thanks for being here today. I'm going to open the altar again for anybody that wants to come to Jesus. I'm going to open the altar again for anybody that needs healing. I'm going to open the altar and I'll pick this up more next time. And we'll find true healing and rest. And we we just receive it now. Just say, Heavenly Father, just everybody pray this. I receive your invitation. I accept the invitation of Jesus to rest, to find rest in this relationship to find recovery, to find restoration, to find peace, to be pleasing to you simply by believing you and to have a lightened load to carry no baggage further. I lay aside my baggage. I lay down the baggage of unforgiveness. I lay down the baggage of shame and guilt and condemnation. You have given me the gift of righteousness. Therefore, I receive 
the gift of rest and recovery and healing and restoration in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. I love you guys. Come on down for any prayers you need. Have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your Sunday and a great week starts right now. Amen. God bless you all.